But y'all, I'm excited to get to speak with you this morning. I'm getting to share, um, adding, going with the series that Pastor Chris has been in, um, just about passion and what it takes and, and all of those things. And so this morning, I just want to pray real fast. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I pray that every word out of my mouth comes straight from you, God, that there's nothing of my own opinion, God, but that it's all you, God, that it would go deep, and God, that you would just inject faith into each individual person this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can you pull that scripture up from Psalms for me? You know, there's something in our culture that I've started noticing, and I noticed it first in the youth, but I think that it's it's kind of just going with, with everyone just in our culture, is that it's not really cool to be passionate about anything anymore. It, it, it's a thing of like, you know, we're going to do the most we can to just be comfortable. And that's really the only thing that we're passionate about. We want to do whatever we can to just be able to have a job that we like, be able to go home, be able to take the trips that we want to take. But there's not really any purpose beyond that for a lot of people. And so this morning, that's really what I want to focus on. But here in Psalms, it says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. And that scripture is great, but what I've noticed is a lot of people, they don't really have any unselfish desires in their heart. And it's just part of our culture. Like, we want the job that we, we, we like and that's easy and that we can clock out of and then we can just get to the weekend. But I believe that God wants to instill a passion on the inside of you to do something that's bigger than yourself and to do something that's greater than just going to a job that you don't really like but you kind of just want to get through. I believe he has a calling and a purpose for each individual per- person and that he's going to download that um, to you. Now, the definition, I have the definition of passion right here. It's an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. An intense desire or enthusiasm for something. And I want you to think to yourself, do you have an intense desire or enthusiasm about something in your life that God's calling you to do? Because I believe that some of you are going to be called to the missions field. I, I, I know as a church we're going to start taking some mission trips as, as you know, the COVID regulations start lessening up. Maybe God's put on your heart. He really has put a desire in your heart to uh, be involved in the pro-life thing. Maybe it's, it's with you being involved with stopping sex trafficking from happening. Maybe, like, I don't know what it is, but I believe that God has a specific purpose that he wants to use you in. And he's given you everything that you need, every resource that you can have, and everything that he can download to you to do exactly what he's called you to do. But if all you're worried about is being comfortable and being where you are and being okay with that, then you're never going to see the fulfillment that God wants you to do. And Pastor Chris spoke last week about, I, think, I believe your title was, This is What It Will Take. This is what it will take. And he talked about surrender, and he talked about sacrifice. But what I noticed with those two things is you're never going to be willing to surrender, and you're never going to be willing to sacrifice unless you have a passion on the inside of you to be used by God. If you don't have that passion on the inside of you, it's going to be very hard to sacrifice anything. But when you genuinely have something that God's given you and you say, God, I want to do the best that I possibly can with this, it'll be so much easier to sacrifice. When Jesus was in the garden and he's about to be crucified and he's praying, I believe the reason he was able to make that sacrifice was because he knew the joy that was set before him. He understood that what he was doing wasn't just sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. He knew God had a plan for him to accomplish something, and because he loved us so much, he was willing to die for us. It's the same thing with your calling. If you're not willing to sacrifice, it might be because you don't have that intense desire, but God wants to instill that in you this morning. Now, Ephesians 2.10, I want to go to that. 
Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. For we are God's masterpiece. This is one of my absolute favorite verses. Because it eliminates any argument that you're not good enough to do something for God. It says that he's, yeah, you're his masterpiece. That means God looks at every beautiful thing he's ever created. Right? You look at the Grand Canyon. You look at the different, I love looking at the different pictures of like planets and things like that. All of these grand things that he's made. And instead of looking at those, he looks at you and says, that's my masterpiece. That's my best work. That's the thing that I, I want to show off to the world because that is my masterpiece. Isn't it? It isn't all these grand sunsets. It isn't the great landscapes. It's Brianna. It's Mr. Rustin, it's Seth, it's, it's Ms. Julianne, it's these people. That's who his masterpiece is. But he didn't just create you as his masterpiece. It says he has created us anew in Christ so we can do. So we can do. I feel like the culture right now is all about church, is about just getting content and getting stuff and, and consuming things. But Jesus never meant for you to just come and receive things. He meant so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has something that he planned for you before you're ever born, before you even thought of, that he wants you to do. And the reason he made you his masterpiece with the best of the best stuff is because he has a purpose and a plan for you to accomplish something. But if you just come in church and you treat Jesus as something where you can just get content from, you're never going to be equipped to do what you were called to do. But he created you as a masterpiece so that you'll be equipped to do something amazing. He made you with the top of the line stuff. I used to always, um, I still always do, mess with Raph. Because Raph in high school, he had this amazing car. Can you put that picture up for me? Y'all, this was Raph's car. All right, this was the, I didn't even really know Raph back then. But when he pulled up to youth with that, it's like, I want to be that dude's friend. That was like, he was just a cool guy because he had this car. I remember one time we went to a school dance. And we weren't even really, like, friends or anything back then. We weren't close. We just happened to be at the same house taking pictures before the dance or whatever. And I remember he had an open seat in his car. I was like, dude, can I ride with you to the dance? And I remember pulling up to the school in that car, and I felt so cool. I got out that thing at the back seat. I was all excited, came through. I was just so excited. But a few months after that, Raph pulled up with something else. Let me put that up. It looks something like this. <laughs> That's not, that's not the exact car, but it's not far off from that, right? So Raph, Raph pulls up one day with this, and I treated it like he had a tragedy. I was like, Raph, what happened? It's like, dude, why didn't you tell me? I could have been praying for you. Like, what, what went down? He said, oh, my mom took her car back. I said, oh, dude, I, th I didn't know it was your mom's car. I didn't know that. And, and it really felt like he had, like, went through a loss. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Go back to that first car for me. When God says that you're his masterpiece, this is what he means. You're this. You're the top of the line stuff. You're the best of the best. You were created with the best of the best stuff. But a lot of times we look at ourselves and we think we look like the second car. I'm here to tell you you're not that second car. You're not something that can just get to point A to point B if you need it to. You were created with the best of the best stuff. And a lot of times we just think God will use me if he needs to. 
He's going to use me if nobody else can do it. He's going to use me if no one else better is available. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not the second car. You're the first car. You were made with the best of the best stuff. You were made with things where the owner gets glory from when you're used. Look, Raph, you, when he used this car, everybody was hyping him up. It's like, dude, that's a nice car. Did you know when you get used by God, God gets glory the same way? When you get used by God, he gets glory from that because you're his masterpiece. He wants to show you off. But because we think we're like the second car, we just keep ourselves locked up in a garage. And it becomes a thing that God created that he's no longer getting glory from because we feel like we can't be used like other people can. Y'all, God doesn't get any glory from you not being used. If Raph had this car, but he just kept it at his house, he would have gotten none of the glory for using that car. God doesn't get any glory from you not being used. He's made you with the best stuff. Yo, how, how silly would that be to have such a fast car but never drive it? You are meant to be used in such a way that brings glory to God. And if you don't put yourself in a position to be used, you're taking something that's so amazing and so great and locking it away in a garage. Don't lock away yourself in a garage. God wants to use you in such a mighty way. So not only did he make you with the top-of-the-line stuff, he called you to fulfill a top-of-the-line purpose. God wants to equip you with the tools to be the top-of-the-line parent, spouse, worker, student that you can be. But if you don't press on, you'll never operate at your full capacity. God's not just looking to use you when you're available and you're free from everything else. God's looking to use you where you are. Because like Pastor Chris was talking about last week, we've surrendered our lives to him. We're no longer the owner. We're no longer the owner of our lives if we've really given our lives to him. So it's not a thing of, oh, God, I'll be used if I have nothing else going on. No, it's, God, I'm going to be used, period. I'm going to do whatever you need me to do. I'm going to drive people around wherever you need me to drive them around because I know that you have a specific purpose for me that isn't just if I have nothing else happening. If you've really surrendered your life to Jesus, it's not about, oh, God, I have free time. Now I can handle something else. No, it's God. What do I need to cut out so I can fulfill the purpose that you have for me? You know, I mess with some of the youth guys, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but a lot of them want to be in the NFL. And I was like, cool. How often are you waking up and exercising? How much are you putting work in? If you genuinely want to be in the NFL, are you putting the work in to do it? You know, one of my favorite lines that Pastor Chris said a couple weeks ago was, um, I, already, I just forgot it, never mind. I should have wrote it down. I knew I was going to forget it. I knew I was going to forget it. Who was it? What was it? I was talking about the, the Oh, he said nothing worth <laughs> everything. Up to salvation is free, but if you want to press on anything with Jesus past that, it's going to cost you. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take putting the work in and maybe sacrificing some time that you might not want to sacrifice. But I think that God is moving us. I think this is particularly in the American church that we're okay with good enough. We're okay with everything being like, ah, that was good enough. I believe God is calling us to be excellent in everything we do. Because when you're excellent in everything you do, that's when you really find fulfillment. That's the difference, I think. When you're just doing what's good enough, you're not fulfilled. But when you know you're operating at your fullest capacity, you are fulfilled. I think a lot of people aren't fulfilled because of that. But he has a top-of-the-line purpose for you. Now, I, was, I preached part of this message to the youth about a year ago. I did a passion series. And at that time, I was praying. I was like, God, what's a good example in the Bible of someone 
who wasn't passionate about something and didn't accomplish much. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, that kind of person wasn't worth writing down. And I was like, well, all right. But I believe I found somebody that kind of fits that, and it's only about five verses. But I, I believe we see a guy that had a purpose, that had somewhere he was going, but instead of reaching it, he stopped short. Who in here has ever heard of Terah? That's right, because he didn't accomplish much. Who's heard of Abraham? Abraham was Terah's son. And look at Terah. Let's go to Genesis 11, verse 28. It says, But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. So Haran was Abraham's brother. You go to the next verse. I'll go to... Um, Go to 31. 31. It says, One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. They were headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped there. You see, the land of Canaan, that was the promised land. That was the place where one day the Israelites would wander around in the desert for decades to be able to reach. And it says that Terah began to head that way, but he stopped. He stopped about halfway. And I did some research on this. I was like, you know, how far was that? Was that like a, you know, 30-minute camera ride and they stopped, you know, 15 minutes in? I looked it up. It would have taken him six months to get from where he was to that halfway point. Which means he took, he packed up his family, and he was a wealthy man as far as we know. So he packed up all his like livestock, everything, and then took a six-month journey through the desert and didn't even make it to where he was supposed to go. And he stopped halfway. Y'all, Tara was going to a place that was going to be promised to all of Abraham's descendants, but he stopped short of it. He stopped halfway. And later we see Abram, Abraham finished this journey. Um, that's, uh, I'm going to read 32 real fast. It says, Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. But years later, Abraham finished the journey. In Genesis 13, read 14 through 15, it said, The Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. So here we have Terah headed to a place that would one day be promised to his son, where he was gonna, God was going to take Abraham and say, look at all of this land I'm giving you. I want you to walk in every direction because I'm giving it all to you. And Terah is headed that way, but instead of reaching that point, he stops halfway. My question to you this morning is, what is God calling you to that you aren't pressing on through? What is he calling you to do that you've stopped halfway and you haven't continued past that point? Because, y'all, look, Terrace took that six-month journey. He did all of the hard work of getting halfway there. Y'all, he's, he's literally walking through a desert. They had, to follow, they had to go a longer route to follow a river to go. Uh, uh, if you look at the map, how, how they did it. He did all of the hard work, but he never pushed through to where he was heading. Listen, God has something so amazing for you and so great, but if you don't press on through it, you're never going to see it, and you'll die at the halfway point. He, he, he does all of the hard work. I think as Christians, what we do is we'll get saved, and we'll do the hard work of, like, leaving our old self behind, 
We'll give up all of our past sin, and, but we'll stop right here instead of pressing on to the fullness that God has for us in our calling. And God will let you stay right here because here you're surrendered. Here you, you've, at least in terms of like giving up your past life and you're dead to sin, but he doesn't want you to just be dead to sin. He wants you to walk as if you're alive in Christ because you are. He doesn't just want you to stand here and say, I'm not saved. I mean, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not sinning anymore, but I'm also not walking in the fullness of everything God has for me over here. And the problem is a lot of believers, they get stuck right here. And this is where the enemy loves to hit you with all kinds of depression and anxiety and rejection and unfulfillment because this is not the place where you're going to be fulfilled. It's over here. But it, it takes sacrifice to get from this point to this point. But if we just stand here, what happens is you're no longer participating in the temporary fun of sin, but you're, no long, you're not walking in the permanent fulfillment that God has for you. And so you're in this middle spot stuck halfway. God has a plan and a purpose and a calling for you over here where you're going to find all, of, all the fulfillment you could ever need. But if you don't make the sacrifice to get from this point to this point, You've made that six-month journey for nothing because he's not, you're not going to be fulfilled. You know, Pastor Chris said it the other day. God doesn't just save you to get you to heaven. He saves you so that you can bring heaven to earth. God's not just looking for you to sit in a church and for you to get yourself to heaven. He's looking to get you to bring as many people with you as you possibly can. Yo, I want to get to heaven, and I want to look and see all kinds of multitudes of people that are like, I'm here because of you, because you opened your mouth, because you walked in your purpose. I don't want to just get there and meet, be just by myself and say, well, I got myself here. Great. I want to bring my family with me. I want to bring everybody I work with with me. I want to bring everybody I come in contact with with me. But if I'm not willing to make the sacrifice, I'm never going to get to that point. God is not satisfied with you just stopping halfway and you shouldn't be either. He wants you to walk in the fullness of your calling. But you've got to be willing to make the sacrifice. Being a Christian, y'all, is just not fun when you stop halfway. It's just really not. It's not worth doing. It's just not fun. You get here, anybody ever got told that being a Christian is boring? Being a Christian is boring when you're right here. It's really boring because you're not having any of the fun you used to have, and you're not having any of the fun you're meant to. You're just literally sitting in a chair and trying not to sin anymore. That's boring. That's really boring. God is calling you to be in a place where you're ultimately fulfilled. The other day, I was actually, I was tutoring. Is Evan here today? Get on him. Evan Poche, Mary's uh, brother, he, he, I tutor him, and so he comes in one day, and he's like, you know, a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, you know, we worked through all this math. He's like, I don't really have anything else. He said, but um, I have a question about God. Does God give us free will, or is everything like predestined beforehand? And I was like, oh, grab that Bible over there. <laughs> and, y'all, that 30-minute conversation we had about that was, I left that conversation feeling more fulfilled than, like, I ever have because it was right exactly smack dab in the middle of what God had for me. But if I didn't five years ago get curious about that topic and study that topic out, then I would have never had that moment of fulfillment that I was supposed to have. I think God is calling you to begin to sacrifice some things to get you ready for something. But if you don't make those sacrifices, you're going to get to that spot and you're not going to have that sense of fulfillment that you're supposed to have. Don't stop halfway. God has way more for you than halfway. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about these callings and things like that. Let me tell you this. 
there's no small callings in the kingdom. There's no small callings. There's only people that fall short of their potential. That's all there is. There's no small callings. So I don't care what you feel called to, but I know that God has a purpose and a plan for you that he wants you to be passionate about. Just don't stop short of it. Now, there's three things if you look at Terah that I believe stopped him from fulfilling his potential. And I just want to go through each of those this morning. The first one is your past. Your past will stop you from fulfilling and, and pushing on. It says in, in, in Genesis eleven twenty eight that Haran, who was Terah's son, had died. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the city that Terah gets stopped in is named after his son. It's the same name. And I couldn't find, studying this out, I couldn't find whether that city was already named after his son and he got there and was like, I love my son, this is great, I'm going to stay here. Or if he had gotten there and then found in the city and named it that. I don't know. Either way, it shows that he had this heartache that his son had died. One of the things that I believe that will stop you halfway is past hurt. And when I was studying this out, I was like, well, God, what, like, there's a lot of things I can go here. And I believe the area he wants me to really hit is that some of you have to learn how to forgive yourself. If you've been hurt by yourself, if you've done something stupid and you can't get over it, it will prevent you from going into the fullness that God has for you. If you stay here and say, man, I can't believe I did that, and you won't move on, you'll get stuck. Yo, I was, I'm, I'm a youth pastor, and I have a lot of middle schoolers in the group. Yo, in middle school, I was not serving Jesus. I was trying to drink at every opportunity I had. I would curse on my mama. I did all kinds of terrible things. I could, I could sit here and say, I can't lead them now because of what I've done in my past. I'm not qualified to do that because when I was their age, I was doing all of that stuff. How dumb of me would that be? It would be dumb. But because I know that God has made me new. Can you put that Ephesians scripture back up for me? It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Which means it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made. He's got something that he wants you to accomplish and he was willing to die so that he can make you anew so that you can do the good things that he planned forever ago. Y'all, he didn't just die to get you in heaven. He died to equip you to do something good that he planned for you to do forever ago. It wasn't just so that you can be in heaven. It was to equip you to do something. It was to put you in a spot where you can accomplish something. Y'all realize that Jesus, after he raises from the dead, is walking around earth, and he's like, I'm going to ascend back to heaven so I can send the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can equip all of you to do a work. That means Jesus looked at all the believers and said, they can do a better job than I can by myself in this human form. So I'm going to leave so the Holy Spirit can come and equip them to do what they need to do. Y'all, Jesus saw you as somebody that he can trust and say, I'm going to leave so the Holy Spirit can come and equip them to do something. But we stay in a garage. We stay put. He, he wants to equip you to do something amazing. But if you just sit on the sidelines and just get, you know, everything that's preached and taught, and you listen to podcasts, and it's great, and all of that stuff, but you never actually do anything, then you're wasting a masterpiece that he built. Don't let past stuff prevent you from doing it. Maybe things happened in the past that make you feel like you can't have an amazing future. Maybe your family has always been poor. Maybe your family has been riddled with divorces. Yo, I've told you before, my parents are each on their third marriage. 
Like, and I've had great parents. I have great parents. But I know I can't let that stop me from saying that I'm going to walk in a great purpose of being an amazing father. I can't look back at my past and say, well, my family's not going to be that great because my families have always had divorces. No, I know that because Jesus has made me his masterpiece, he's created me anew, that one of the good things he set for me uh, planned long ago is to be an amazing father to them. But it's not going to just be me being on autopilot that's going to get me from here to here and fulfill that purpose. It's going to take me waking up and doing things that I don't necessarily want to do in myself for them. It's going to take doing devotions at night when I don't really feel like doing them with them. It's going to take praying for them more than I I planned on doing a certain day because God led me to. It's going to take sacrifice that I might not necessarily want to do, but I know if I'm going to be an amazing father and I want to walk in that, I can't just stay here. I need to move here. Don't let your past stop you from doing that. I shared this story with the youth uh, this week, but um, so we're going to have to hear it again. Oh, well, sorry. Um. There was this guy, and, I, and I, I heard this story somewhere, but he was in high school, and um, he was a guy that always passed, just teachers passed him along. He failed pretty much everything, but they just passed him along to get him through. And his mom told him towards the end of high school, she said, can you please just take the SAT for me? He said, Mom, I don't, I'm a failure. Like, I'm not going to college. There's no reason to take that. And she says, please just take it from me. So he takes the test, gets the scores back, and he scored a near perfect on the SAT. So this guy finishes high school strong because all of a sudden he's like, I'm not dumb. I thought I was dumb my whole life. I'm not. He finishes high school, goes to college, graduates at the top of his class, becomes a super successful business owner, and just doing incredible things. A couple decades later, SAT calls him. They had missed up, mixed up scores that year. He bombed the SAT. He completely bombed it. The difference was how he saw himself. He no longer looked at himself as a failure. He no longer looked at himself as as anything that somebody in his past told him who he was. He looked at himself differently. And I think some of you, if you would just start looking at yourself a little differently, if you would look at yourself like God's masterpiece that you actually are, you won't uh, stop and, and not reach your full capacity. God's given you giftings and talents according to your own ability, and he's expecting a return on it. He's expecting you to do something with it. And I don't want you to get to the end of your life and say, God, I could have did so much more. I want to stand before him and say, God, I made a ton of mistakes, but I gave it everything I had. I gave it everything I had. Don't let your past stop you halfway. The second thing that will stop you is what Tara did. Tara was a worshiper of idols. Tara was a worshiper of idols. Did you know that passion for the wrong things will stop you from fulfilling your calling? Passion for the wrong things will prevent you from reaching what you want to. Tara worshipped idols. He worshipped the wrong things. And now hear me on this. I believe some of you, you're like, no, I have passion for things. But I think God might want to change your passion a little bit. He might want to change a little bit about the things that you're passionate about. He might want to fix those kind of things. Because he has something for you that he wants you to be passionate about. But if you're passionate about other things then you're never going to put the work in to do what he's calling you to. Pastor Chris shared that story about him hunting a couple weeks ago and having to sell that rifle. You know, if you're designed as a Ferrari, but your passion is mud riding, and you go and you're a Ferrari, but you're like, I'm mud riding, this is what I'm called to do, and you go mud riding, y'all, you might be able to ride around a little while in the mud, but you're not going to be very effective 
You're going to get stuck. It's going to be bumpy. It's not going to be fun. And you're going to sit there and think of yourself as a failure because you're not doing as well as everybody else around you. But that might not be the purpose that you're called to do. And you say, well, how do I know what my purpose is? Very simple answer. You ready? Pray. Just pray. Prayer is where your heart begins to line up with God's heart. And so if you're confused of God, I don't know if you, uh, you know what you want me doing. I just want you to begin to spend time with him every single day. And what he's passionate about will begin to line up with what you're passionate about. Don't let idols stop you. Because did you know that idols can even be good things? Family can be an idol. Ministry can be an idol. Work can be an idol. All of those things are good things, but if, you have, if they're unbalanced, if you spend so much time on one that you're neglecting others, those can become idols as well. Before I preach, pretty much every time before I preach, I like to preach my message to myself. It's very weird. I go by myself in a room, and I just preach it like there's people there. Well, last night, you know, we had the girls. It was Saturday night. We had family over helping. But I could have said, no, I need to be a really good father, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to do this. And just stay here with the babies, and I'm going to wing Sunday. I'm going to wing preaching this message. No, that would have been dumb, right? Being a father is a good thing, but I knew that I had to get away for a little while so I could prepare to do this. God has multiple, not just like one thing where you're supposed to accomplish. I think there's multiple areas of your life where he wants you to excel in. But if your focus is so much on one and you neglect the others, you're still going to be missing it. So don't let something that's even a good thing become an idol. You need to have that balance. So don't let your past, don't let idols. And the third thing I learned about Terah here is that Terah, not only did he worship idols, but his occupation, the thing that he did was he made idols. He created them and sold them. Ask me what city was the capital, the, the top industry uh, of making idols. It was the city he stopped in. He stopped in a city where it was the top industry of making idols, and that's what his business was. The third thing that will stop you from accomplishing your purpose is comfort. Yo, I'm sure he made a killing staying in that city making idols. But the problem was God didn't want him to just be comfortable. He was supposed to be heading somewhere, but he stopped. Don't just get comfortable. Just because you're somewhere where you're comfortable and everything looks nice and everything looks good doesn't mean that you're fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. Don't get comfortable. Sacrifice is a prerequisite for calling. Are you willing to put the work in? Are you willing to push past even the fear of it? Because guys, I believe that God is going to give you a passion or a calling to do something with what he's given you. Don't ignore that call and don't answer the call halfway. Y'all doing it halfway will always leave you unfulfilled. I want you to promise me something. I want you to never look at a bad example and think that you're doing good. To look at somebody and say, well, I'm doing better than them, so I'm doing a good job. God isn't calling you to compare yourself to other people and say, oh, no, they're doing a good job. He's giving you specific abilities for you to accomplish, a capacity for you to accomplish. But if you just look at other people and say, I'm doing a better job than them, you'll never reach your full potential. Y'all, Brady can squat. Where's he at? Is he in there? Every time I ask for Brady, he's missing. Where's he at? Brady, what, what was your squat? 700. Brady squatted 700 in high school. My squat, I had a back injury, all right? Don't judge me. My squat, the most I ever did, was 205. Don't judge me. But if Brady looked at me while we were in the gym 
And he did like 250 and looked at me and was like, he's only doing 205, I'm good. There would have been 500 pounds difference of what he could have accomplished that he didn't. Don't look at a bad example and say, I'm doing okay. Because God might not be calling you to do what they're doing. He might be calling you to something else. Don't look at and read your Bible and say, I'm reading two chapters a day. I'm doing way better than so-and-so. Well, what if God's calling you to preach and he wants you to start diving into the word? Don't say, well, I teach life groups sometimes. I'm good because a lot of people don't even do that. But what if God's calling you to do something else? What if he's calling you to do more than that? What if he's giving you more ability in that area than somebody else? Don't just stop short because everybody else is at a certain level. Don't compare yourself. When you compare yourself, you'll stop right here. You can go ahead and hit the lights for me. If I can sum this message up in anything, what I want to tell you is don't let good be the enemy of great. Don't let good be the enemy of great. God doesn't just want you to get by. He doesn't want you to just skate along. He wants you to be fulfilled. He doesn't just want to use you because there's a job to be done. He wants to use you because he wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to be used by him because that's how he gets glory. And if you don't know what your purpose is or your calling is, I I, I believe every single calling and purpose that God gives to a believer can, can go back to making disciples. Anything that he's calling you to do, we'll be doing that in some form or capacity. Don't do things halfway. Give it your all. Give it your best. Because y'all, one day, it seems like it's a far way off, but it's really not. We're going to stand before him. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What's your answer going to be?